Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. Uh, Rajan and Pat back again. We are recording this hours after the Washington Commanders beat the Atlanta Falcons by a final score of 24 to 16. Um, a lot of thoughts on the victory. We'll dive into that because as I wrote at the top of our notes outline that we do to kind of keep ourselves on track for these podcasts. This win, yeah, it's a win. Yeah, it's by more than seven points, whatever. I'm sure other Washington fans would agree that it felt very kissing your sister-ish or open mouth kissing a horse-ish, if you will, for those Austin Powers uh, aficionados. (laughs) It was a game that only by the pure incompetence of Atlanta's offense did Washington manage to walk out with the victory today. And that was sheerly because of the other team. It was one of those classic Washington games in which Washington did their best. They're like, no, while we are currently winning right now, we are going to make an effort to do everything we can to hand over victory or to snatch, uh, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And Atlanta said, no, no, hold my beer. And we want to make sure we will lose today's contest. That, that was the outcome of today's game. Um, Pat, I, I'll tell, turn it over to you for your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a very Ron Rivera game. The way to put it. Uh, we played a team that we we're probably, even with on paper, probably probably a little better than uh, definitely the quarterback position. And and I when we scored the touchdown to go up uh, 24-10, I was like, all right, we're about to boat race this team. Uh, but as any good – Redskins team, commies uh, team would do. We didn't do that. But here's here's my take on the game. It's like Fox, ESPN, CBS, The Athletic, insert publication slash news media outlet, pay millions of dollars for some of the top talent to come in and analyze football. You and I do it for fun, you know, once a week. Uh, there's a thousand podcasts that like to sit down. They analyze the scheme. They analyze like, Oh, you're a zone running team. Oh, you're a power running team. Like all these things, they break down every X and O you can imagine. Look at every analytic possible. Today's game was the perfect microcosm of what the NFL is. If you're plus three, you're going to win. It's literally that simple. And the turnover uh, margin. Football, football is the most simple game in that manner. And if you look at how the turnovers occurred, they're even more like if you're plus three on three, like long, you're at midfield and you throw the ball like 20 yards in that field pick. Okay. But the way the – uh, turnovers happened. You had the Fuller who jumped the route on the sideline. We went down and scored two plays later. The Ritter pick to St. Justine's was about as bad of a play from a quarterback as I have ever seen. And then it's funny, the Jamin pick at the end of the game. By the way, if you if, let's say they settle for a field goal, if, if Ritter, Ritter doesn't throw that atrocious, atrocious pick, that's plus 10. We won by eight. And then the third pick that Jamin had, I saw they, they it was very – like everyone in the world knew that ball was going to Robinson because uh, when he went in a motion to the sideline and Jamin followed him, I was like, oh, Jesus. Like in my head, I was like, we are toast. And to Jamison's credit, he uh, he was able to uh, to jump the route, pick it, and, and we're good to go. So I, I made a note of this, and I will firmly stand behind this. Again, Desmond Ritter is a bottom three quarterback in the NFL. We said this, I think it was after we, I, I, in fact, bottom three may be a little generous. And we were talking about this after the. He's better, he's better than Mac Jones. That guy's terrible. Mac Jones is really terrible. But I think Mac Jones and 
and and and Desmond Ritter the gold and silver standard in terms of the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. I originally had Zach Wilson mentioned, but after today's win, I don't think you could put Zach Wilson in that conversation anymore. He is, as you mentioned before we started recording, been kind of not bad. So I think those two right now are the heavyweight. Those are the Ali and Frazier of bad quarterbacks at the moment in the NFL. And Ritter is just atrocious. I mean, there's just no way about it. Uh, shout out to my friend John who made a comment. He was during the game. He goes, I'm so happy to see our fifth round draft pick it you know outperforming their third round draft pick i mean for whatever it's worth in terms of selection criteria or selection spot we've talked about this a lot but nonetheless the the contrast between the two quarterbacks was stark and marked and there's no other way to put it like we have a quarterback we have a myriad of other problems that we have to worry about on the team and i would venture to argue in many cases atlanta is kind of the opposite i'm not going to call them a complete team by any stretch but at the same time that if they actually have a straw to stir their fucking drink, then it's not going to taste like turpentine in a glass, which is what it looks like for long stretches of the season. You know, it's kind of funny. I bet you they would be half decent with Heineke. Uh, we talked about this. I can't remember if it was in the quarter mark or whatever, but I mean, we talked about the fact that this could be the Tyler Heineke revenge game or Tyler. Yeah. Taylor, yeah. Taylor Heineke got revenge game. My apologies. And uh, it didn't end up being, but you're a hundred percent right. That if, I would have been much more stressed about the outcome of this game if Heineke was playing versus Desmond fucking Ritter. I mean, that guy sucks. There's just, and it's not even like, this is not even from the retrospective, like, oh, we beat a team or whatever. I've watched Atlanta closely. Many people have watched Atlanta closely. And he's just not good. If you watched, he's had two good quarters this season, which is the second half, I think, of the the London game. Past that, he blows. And, And there's no way as an Atlanta fan you can walk out of any portion of the season being like, oh, well, we can we can manage another year or so without with Ritter as our guy. You simply can't. Like, There's just no way. They'll be looking for a quarterback in, in the offseason. And today Washington was the beneficiary of that. Yeah, I mean, he's not good, which is kind of shitty if you're a Falcon fan because I was actually kind of impressed with their team. I thought their, their line played okay. London caught every contested ball thrown his way. Pitts finally scored a touchdown. If they were Shot smart – if they were smart, they would throw them. I mean, they would find a way to isolate Pitts way more. Arthur Smith, here's my biggest takeaway of the game. Two bad head coaches. We just happen to have the not as bad head coach. <laughs> it's funny. I was I've always held Arthur Smith in slightly higher regard, mostly because he's kind of a run game witch doctor. And um he's I was also, going back also uh Gibbs is like godson or something. There's some random connection to Joe Gibbs. I do do recall something of that nature. Are you to that point? But I, one of the things I like to do is I like to watch the carnage of other teams when they lose games, and particularly on Twitter. So, like, I was going back and re- read, like, reading Falcons fans' responses, and they they were just all in on, like, we fire Arthur Smith. I mean, that's a really normal response for teams. Like, anytime a team loses, fire, you- this guy, fire this guy. But, like, there were, like, enough is enough. This is – we've seen this this movie over and over every single week. Look, I said this at the beginning of the Anytime you're plus three, you're going to win. Uh, so in this case, the Falcons are minus three. But even despite that, they had every opportunity in the world to get back into that game. And for whatever reason, Arthur Smith just wouldn't let it happen. So, mm-hmm. like, they had the miscommunication. They kept having miscommunications. They had to burn random timeouts. Like, not burning the timeout on third and goal at the one-yard line. I don't care who you want to blame. That's the head coach's job to know you have to burn the timeout. I'm a big believer in taking the five-yard loss and not burning timeouts in that scenario. Like, when you have – if you're at, like, the – I don't know, you're at your own 36, it's third and two. Just take the five-yard loss rather than – I think timeouts are like gold. You're down a touchdown on the one-yard line, third down. You have to take that timeout. That happens. Why the F did he go for it on fourth down from a 40 when our offense hadn't done anything in the second half? And 
he like totally flipped the field on his entire team. Like that was a bonehead coaching decision. And it I was, was ultimately meaningless in the end. People in the world. The two point conversion made no sense. I don't. No. I'm an I'm an analytics guy. I am a I am I I believe in I pray to the Church of Analytics. I'm a big numbers person. I hundred percent believe it made no sense. It made absolutely no sense. It was it was doing shit for the point of doing shit. And I guess even more so from like okay, if you're at the one yard line, fine. After you weren't you can't bank on the 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 first of all you throw the fade pass, which is less than a five percent probability of working, except for when you play against Washington. But that notwithstanding, you throw the fade pass. It was a bullshit pass interference call. It was an absolutely garbage call. Whatever that was saying that with burgundy colored glasses on, but just the whole idea of going for it, it didn't make any sense. And yeah, anyway, Arthur Smith, I. I the execution was really, really bad on their end. And it was just, it was nice to watch from one end. That it's not from one perspective that it's not us, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot the whole time over and over again. From our angle, the shitty part of the game was for two and a half quarters. I thought EB was cooking. I was like, man, our offense is humming. And, and then, then we just, went into a complete tailspin or a complete yeah, stall in the second half. Completely just stopped. For whatever reason, Sam went back to like his, I'm going to hold the ball forever. Our receivers, no. our receivers didn't get any sort of separation to help them. Also, Lucas should be starting over Wiley. We've been saying that for five weeks. <laughs> Lucas was great today. I was like, yeah. why does he not play? I'm not going to comment on the whole uh, Charles Leno thing because it's an unspeakable tragedy, and I don't want to go go down that route or anything like that. But like, there was a market upgrade in, in pass protection when Lucas was on the field. I'm not going to say because of this or that, but your point is still well taken that if he's on the field, it's it's a much better situation playing Wiley in particular. I'm a little surprised EB got away from the screen game. Like we had a couple of screens that hit the, the uh, Robinson touchdown was a screen, but like they're quick, easy, com- they're easy completions to create or, or some sort of wide receiver screen. Something get the ball out of Sam's hands fast to keep the clock moving. I don't like, I'm a big EB fan. I got first of only three teams scored more points than us today. Like we're bitching about our offensive coordinator. We still put up fourth most points in the league today, but in the game when we were just out of source is like, shotgun long developing pass plays that weren't going anywhere and sam was just holding the ball like i know the receivers need to get more separation but i also think you need to call plays where you're doing some quick hitters get samuel the ball quickly like when samuel runs the ball he reminds me of pierre garçon like he runs angry hit terry on a slant which is what we tried to do on third down at the end of the game we just i don't i don't know if there's miscommunication but it was weird i think we went away from it we just got away from it because like terry they couldn't block terry and i, I so i have terry mc I don't want to talk, make this a fantasy football thing, but I have Terry McLaurin on my, on my fantasy football team, and I did not start him today because I was worried about him matching up against A.J. Terrell, who's their their top quarterback, who's played really well. And McLaurin cooked him. McLaurin ate his lunch for oh, yeah. for the first half. For the first half, like there was that one slant play where like Terrell just got completely owned. And for some reason, whatever that may be, we went completely away from that in the second half. And I know the script usually with EB is that, okay, we throw to set up the run in the second half. To your point about long developing passes, not only are we doing long developing passes, we do long developing runs as well. I, I'm not going to slam EB. I'm not going to slam EB because it, it's a night and day, you know, 180 from what we had last year in Scott Turner. But I am much, 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 much more bearish on the wide receiver separation issue. Uh, I think it's a massive problem. And I am I, I'm maybe praying at the Church of Revisionist History here, but 
look, our offensive line is not good. I would that's that's the understatement of the century right now, particular to this season. But I am starting to believe more and more that a lot of the sacks that that Sam Howell is taking is a combination of the inexperience that he has, plus our wide receivers are not separating. They're not. He's afraid of throwing it into coverage, and there's just nobody open. There are countless instances where you're seeing, you know, the replays of like there's nowhere to go with the ball, and that's why he's eating it. Combined with the fact that the offensive line can't hold up for you know more than two point three seconds, and I think this is an issue. We are really good at in breaking routes, which is a little why where a lot of the NFL is going right now, but. In particular, going back to the second half struggles, I think what you saw a lot of was the Falcons were basically rushing four and dropping seven, knowing two things. Number one, knowing that you could probably get home with four guys, even though they had the worst pass. They not only had the worst pass rush in the NFL, they have historically had a a garbage pass rush. Like they've been one of the worst teams in passing, rushing the passer for a decade. This is like, this is almost a brand now for them. Like they, we were we did this in our preseason podcast. Atlanta hasn't had a guy with eight sacks since 2016, like with more than eight sacks. They're historically bad at rushing the passer, and they had five today, which, you know, that's everybody who plays us. But number one, they could do two things, or they could do two things. Number one, get home with four guys. And number two, they'd be comfortable or safe dropping seven because they know we're not running the ball. Because, I mean, EB, he ran it a little more than he did against the Bears because we just didn't flat out literally did not run it against the Bears at all. And then <laughs> five straight times or whatever. Right. There's a reason why Sam Howell's like sixth in the in the NFL in rushing and passing yardage, if not slightly higher. So anyway, uh, it's – I'm – the offense is nice. I think there's a lot, a lot of, lot of positives to go with, but I think there's still a lot of work to do. And I know they've talked about – you know, EB is still learning is uh, learning the nuances of like how to call passes in our offense and things like that. But I think a microscope or a, excuse me, microscope, a, some a light has to be shined in this area. Yeah. And you know what the biggest disappointment of it all is Dotson. Yeah. Dotson. You go like, in. He's been bad. You know, this is my buddy Smalley texted me this, uh, our group this, but he was like, I'm not ready to have a conversation about Dotson yet, but I'm looking at him. And I thought that was a good way to point it. Cause like, I'm not ready to say, you know, like what the hell is this pick? He's a bust or anything like that. Like I, I'm not ready to say any of that. But what I am prepared to say is like he has been very bad. He's been major disappointment. And the hard Here's part. Here's what of, I found. Whoa, serious! Serious just found some stuff. Oh, just <laughs> just found Dotson. He's yeah, he's been really bad. Like he was targeted once today. That should have been a touchdown. He just flat out dropped it. You know, he had that. A horrible drop that kind of flipped the Eagles game on its head a bit. We yes, it did. And he made up for it with a touchdown on an in-breaking route of my dad. But that was his only target today. He's not getting open. When he gets open, he's not catching the ball. Like, he is way below Samuel and McLaurin. When I really, like, all the hype coming in, all the hype coming into this season was we had 1A, 1B. Well, we have 1A, 2, and, like, Dotson's not even a 3 right now. We can't really rely on him for anything. Samuel has has consistently taken over his role as a number one or number one B number two receiver in this offense. Yeah, Samuel's great. I love. Yeah. I love. He's Samuel. been very good. He's been very good. He's been very good. Basically, every game he's been on the field. You got to caveat it with his first season. I think he played like two games. Yeah. Uh, uh, but like last year, he was two years ago. He was great. He was, last year, he was great. Um, no, last year might have been his first year on the field. This. Last year, he had such a strong connection with Carson. I mean, through the first four games, he had like four touchdowns or something like that. He was re- he came out of the gates really hot. I think that Jacksonville game, he had two touchdowns by himself in the in the season opener. He, he he 
he was really good. Um, and he continues to play really well. So yeah. Every time he comes in motion, I'm like, please give him the ball. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we to Turner's credit, Turner liked that play too, but he is very shifty. He runs really hard uh, and he's reliable, which I think is a bit underrated at times, just because like, I really hope we play the Giants next week and Dotson has seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Like, I hope that happens. But this guy hasn't had more than three or four catches in a game all year. He's dropping open passes. And, like, I was really, I was really, I really thought he was going to be a security blanket for, for Howell this year. And he's just hasn't been. And it's, it's, I think it's time that we start talking about it. I don't think we're ready to say he's a bust or anything like that, but, like, it's time to look at him. I'm not even in the same galaxy as bust. I think this well, is. Neither am I. Neither am I. I'm yeah. not saying he's a bust or anything. Yeah, I'm just, I, saying, I, I, I'm that, just saying we got to start watching. It, I think this is just a big second year regression for him. Like I am a huge proponent of like, like I like when rookies struggle in some cases because it gives them the oh shit I got a lot to work on in my game type of mentality, um, versus somebody who comes out of the gates hot in the first year or has success and they're like no I got this the NFL is easy the transitions hard yeah I don't have to do anything I can kind of do the same old same old and get by and not kind of progressively work on their game and. While Dotson does not seem to be the latter type of person, I'm afraid that he's kind of caught in that camp that like, oh, I was so good my 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 first year that like, you know, this is fine. I can just kind of get by with the status quo. And I worry that his he might he might have to take the proverbial step back to take two steps forward. I feel like that's the camp he's in right now. There's a part of me that also feels like you know, McLaurin started really slow to the season, had a slow start to the season, and then they kind of force fed him the ball. And we saw Terry McLaurin again. And I wonder if something of that nature would be applicable to Dotson in the sense that they have to be like actively game plan to get his head back in the game a little bit or to kind of get his confidence back or however you choose to phrase it. And then we start to see the Dotson from last year. And then the third bucket is maybe there's a lingering or nagging injury somewhere that we don't know about. I don't think that's the case, but. Look, anytime we force fed McLaurin, good things have happened. Yes. <laughs> so just keep doing that. And Dwimey and uh, what's his face? Uh, Dotson, catch the damn ball when you get the opportunity. Yeah, Diami had his, his arm held on that. I mean, the one where he tried to pull the one hander, like that should have been that should have been holding or PI or something like that, but whatever. I liked I like C Rod getting some carries today. Uh, C Rod was a dude, man. I, I like that. I like that pick more and more and more. God, he's, he went hard. He's 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 really good. I was I was gonna text you during the game. I was gonna be like, when when and when Rodriguez is our starting running back in three years from now, just make you know can make sure we get credit for being on that train early on. That's an NFL running back thing. <laughs> yeah. By the exactly. time, yeah, time, time, time we're done with B Rob, he's gonna be like barely walking. Well, I don't know because they got to give him the ball in some cases. And I mean, it, particularly this year, like, I mean, as everyone saw and everyone gushed over, like the way he blew through that defensive back on the screen pass was just, I mean, that was highlight real worthy stuff. It was fantastic. As he did that, you could literally hear that sound of like a bowling ball hitting 10 pins at the bowling alley. And that, that sound, that, that, that distinct sound you hear when like somebody bowls a strike, like you could hear that as he hit that DB, you know, in route to the hope, end zone. I hope he wins the angry, angry run. He's always up for it. He never wins it though. He's yeah, he's great. And it's just, it's so fun. That's part. And I, I was, you were texting or was it my camera? was my group thread, but I was like, he's a rhythm runner. He's an old school running back that like, he needs to get five or seven to 10 carries early on before he starts to find his groove. 
And I just get frustrated because we it takes forever if he ever gets to that number in the way the current offense is constructed. Like we saw peak, I would say we saw peak Brian Robinson the second half of the Broncos game because they just kept force feeding him and force feeding him and the two to three yard runs started turning to seven, eight yard runs. Also because the Denver defense is really bad, but that's neither here nor there. We didn't go into that Denver game though. We weren't, we didn't know how bad their defense was. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the offense was fine today. I mean, if we play like that against the Giants, we're probably in a bad shape. So we need to get our shit together. But Sam looked good again for the most part. Again, protected the ball. That uh, how many picks did he throw against the Bills? Like four. Four. That game's he has four picks. I made a note. He has four, uh, six interceptions this season, and four of them against the Bills. Meaning in the yeah. other every other game, that he has game, that game got away from him. It was yes. an outlier. I agree. Hundred percent agree. So he's seven. He has seven starts, six picks. Four of them come in one game. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's an outlier. So Sam was. I thought Sam was good. He was really good the first half, but then for whatever reason, the offense just sucked in the second half. But got to give flowers to the defense. I mean, Ritter sucks. That's definitely helpful. But they played a lot more. I would love to. Someone at like PFF will, will tweet this, or I know somebody will. I'd love to know the percentage of man to man that we've played year to date. Versus the amount of zone we played today, because it felt like we, we sat played a lot of zone today. It felt like we played in zone a lot more, which, like, candidly, our whole defense is built to play zone. Like, I don't know why we went away from our whole. We were a top ten defense last year because we sat in zone sixty to seventy percent of the time. Kendall Fuller is a zone corner. Yeah. Why don't we do like? Why don't we do that more often? Why does Del Rio want to change like what works? Here's the dirty truth: Forbes is a zone corner too. Yeah, I know. And guess what happened when we matched him up man-to-man? He got fucking torched. It's – so a lot of people have made this comparison. Like, they, this is, they, they're doing to him what they did to William Jackson. They're like, hey, we're going to – we love you. We're going to put you in the wrong scheme. Why isn't it working? Yeah, you know what's even more frustrating about that? It was the opposite. Jackson yeah, was forced yes. to play – Jackson was forced to play zone, and he was terrible at it. No, he was forced was, to play man. He was He's a zone oh, corner. Right. They forced him to play man. I think so. No, maybe you're right. But then we went zone because that was better for our defense. But yes. he sucked at it, so he got yes. benched. No, I think you're right. You're right. You're right. Yes. And now we're like, hey, let's play man-to-man again. And it's like, you just drafted a corner that wants to play zone. Also, yes. by the way, the best corner on our team, one of the best cornerbacks in the entire NFL is a zone corner. So just play the damn defense. Yeah. I don't think Del Rio – I, I, I don't think he has any clue what he wants to do. I just he's don't. I, he, like he's – uh, you you have been well on this bandwagon while we transition over to the defense. It's uh, I shouldn't call it bandwagon. It's it's a very astute point. Um, again, as we've said, why why can we not stop the opposing team from scoring seven points on the opposing side? It's so ridiculous. We're walking into games spotting the other team seven points right from the get go. Every single game, every game. It's how it, it, you guys have never seen football it, uh, before. I think I noticed it week one because I was like. How many times? Like it felt like I remember the first game we ever had with these guys. The Eagles went right down the field and scored in such easy fashion. I was like, "Oh my god, we're gonna win one game," and it just continuously happens. And it's always like, "Oh well, it's it's the scheme to plays, yada yada yada." But like, dude, they had third and eight twice. Got you know, sixteen yards, twenty yards. It's like just get off the fucking field. And I can't remember who it was, Tiki Barber or Matt Ryan or whoever the fuck it was that was commentating for the game. They were like, Atlanta's been really, really bad on opening drives this this year. Not today. As usual, not today. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's actually one of the reasons I was glad uh, Atlanta deferred because it allowed us to at least get the ball first and we score. We got that field goal. 
Yep. So instead of being down seven nothing, we were down, you know, seven three. Yeah, I don't know what that's about, man. Like, which sucks too because the defense actually played pretty well after that. They um, they, they, they had. They forced stops. Uh, the second half was really frustrating because they couldn't get off the damn field. Now, in their defense, they were probably gassed as all hell because the offense didn't stay on the field when they actually did get like, like they either scored or just would go three and out. Like that was just the nature of. I, I would, I, I would love to see the splits of time of possession in the second half because, like, it's got to be more than two to one in terms of Atlanta's favor. It's just they couldn't do anything with it because their quarterback is dog shit. I will, I will give Arthur Smith credit here. He did not abandon the run. They just kept running the ball. Even though they were down two touchdowns, they did not stop. And, like, it wasn't like they were breaking big runs either. It was like two yards, three yards, two yards, three yards, four yards. Um, I think Robinson's long run of the game was eight yards. Like, also, Jonathan Allen played great. Yeah. I, the, I don't know. Like, you can say what you want about the defense. Ben, don't break. We got lucky with the pick in the end zone and all that stuff. Jonathan Allen was great today. He, he, was, the best player. he was the best player on the field. Khalid Hudson will get credit for the st- the two point conversion uh, stop. Allen ragdolled his guy. He he hip tossed his guy out of the way. He hip tossed his guy out of the way to get penetration, which Hudson finished up. And there was a couple of plays. Chris Lindstrom, their left guard, is one of the top set six five six guards in the NFL. And Allen multiple times just walked right past yeah. him. Well, they kept running the ball, and Allen. I mean, he was only credited with five tackles. I bet you. He was in on 15 stops today. Also, did you see what happened to Payne? Did he just bend down and break his finger? I thought it was a dislocation. That was my guess. No, he did. He did. He's already came out and said it. He, he broke his finger, dislocated it, went to the sideline, popped it back in, and came back into the game. Yeah. Which, by the way, is just <laughs> kind of badass. Yeah. But, like, what? He was literally – the ball wasn't even snapped. I, I thought my initial suspicion was oh, – Josh Allen's such a dude – uh, my initial suspicion was that um, he like he must have like hit like jammed his hand into somebody's like you know when you jam your finger playing basketball or something like that like but yeah I don't know I wish I had recorded the game just so I could go back and watch that play I like I have no it looked like he literally bent down to put his hand in the grass and dislocated it like he put so much pressure on his fingers when he was getting into his stance that yeah. his finger just snapped because uh, uh, then because he jumped off sides and it was basically right. because he fell forward because he was in pain. Yeah, there was a couple. So, like, obviously, there was the, the there's a two point conversion where we had a good stop there, and I think uh, one of the big plays of the game, which kind of spread everything or got the ball rolling in our direction, no pun intended, was um, the fourth down stop, the fourth and three or whatever it was that we had. I think it was somebody had a PBU. I think it was St. Juice had a PBU. I have to go back on my notes. Oh, it was the early in the second, and then we scored a touchdown again on that. Uh, I think that was the the, the Chris Sam, Curtis Samuel uh, touchdown. So, we, to your point, like all you know, Algier and Bijan. Like I'm not going to say ill of Bijan Robinson. Like I think I still think the hype train's a little strong for him, but but uh, he's played well for large stretch or for poor stretches of the season. I think we shut him down almost entirely today. Algier was a much more dangerous running back, and at the end of the day. The you know the Falcons runs, are known for running the ball. It's because he runs north south. Yeah, Robinson's shifty. And at the end of the day, between Ritter and those two guys, they ran the ball. They we held them to 106 yards rushing. That's a really good number for a team total of rushing on 29 carries. So yeah. again, you know, significantly less than four yards a carry. I think it, all things considered, while my disdain for Jack Del Rio does not 
diminish in any way, shape, or form, that definitely was a positive for the efforts um, this afternoon. You know who played great? It's two Hill. Casey Tuhill had a day. He Casey had a sack. He should have had, they should count that. I mean, it doesn't count, but like the intentional grounding may as well have been in a sack. Kills big momentum killer for them. He's a hell of a lot cheaper than Montez, tell you that much. Uh, I think it's gonna I think it's a foregone conclusion that it's him and Smith Williams next year in the whatever spot, whichever guy we don't pay spot, it's gonna be that's gonna be the rotation and, and Obata. I mean, two hills been good. he was good today. Also, Chase, my guy. Miss his his quarterback's not even looking at you. Yeah, that was a bad miss. Two Hill made up for it and sacked him like on the next play, two plays later. Yeah. Uh, uh, but man, Chase, like you're in all these, all every stat. They're like, look at this pressure rate. He's up there with Micah Parsons. He's up there with Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, elite pass rushers. You got to get the, but those guys get the guy down. And but those they, guys don't miss. Yeah, they don't miss. Also, I think the I think the Chase Young narrative centers around one thing. He hasn't made like a game-changing play. He has a couple sacks. He's getting a lot of pressure, but he doesn't have like remember his rookie year when he scooped and scored against the Niners. The 49ers. He chased young game. In the first in week one of that year, he forced a fumble that Kerrigan recovered inside the 20. Like he had the he had that diving stop on fourth and goal against the diving Steelers. Diving stop on uh against the Steelers. That's right. Yeah, Monday he, night. Before. He destroyed Burrow at the one yard line. Yes. Like, I mean, yeah, he, he had all these game-changing plays that he just hasn't had since, and I keep waiting for it because, like, he's been way better this year than I thought he was going to be. I thought, candidly, I thought he was toast. Uh, I was saying trade him for a tackle. Now I'm saying Montez, go get us a tackle. Montez used to have a lot of game-changing t- in 2020. Used to have game-changing plays too, like that bat in the end zone against the Cowboys, and like there's a few others that I'm missing. And like Sweat has been, ha- there's been a dearth of those from him too. Sweat his entire career as a was he a Redskin? Yes, he was. As a Redskins yeah, team he was, he was commander. The same Haskins. Yeah. He plays really well against bad teams and disappears against good teams. Yeah, that's fair. That's he, a, is, a, Preston, he is just a little bit better than Preston Smith. It's hard to disagree with you in a lot of in, in much of that. I love him. Don't get me wrong. Still not for the freak show. <laughs> Big Montez did. Yeah. But he disappears when we play good teams. Chase at least has apparently shown up every game he's played. Now, next time, just sack the damn quarterback. Yeah. Paid to do. Don't let Two Hill take that money. And then we would be remiss when we're talking about the defense if we didn't get to the Cody Barton part of the podcast. And just to remind everybody that Cody Man, Barton sucks. Fucking blows. Like he just he's Why does he play? Why does it's, he play? As I made a note, I think it's a sick joke that Jack Del Rio is just playing on everybody. Either that or there's blackmail involved. Or I don't know, like we, it's well known that we were basically playing five, one, five defenses last year. I don't understand why we don't, we don't go back to it. And not only is Barton playing, they had the great idea that let's put Barton as responsible, if not outright covering Kyle Pitts and John Smith today. If you want to know why Kyle Pitts and John Smith had above average numbers in comparison to what they usually get, it's because Cody Barton was on the field. And was charged with making sure that those guys were, you know, limited. And Cody Barton couldn't limit the local powder puff team from racking up yardage against him, let alone NFL players. He fucking blows. It's it is a legitimate debate to see whether Andrew Wiley or Cody Barton is the worst free agent signing on this team in this offseason. Yeah, there's there's a guy we follow on Twitter, Jamal. He's a very good Twitter follow. Tweeted out during the game. I think again, another shout out for you, Smalley. I think he sent me the text, but it was like it's never good when 
Jameson Crowder is probably the best free agent signing Rivera brought in this, this offseason. And I was like, damn, he didn't he didn't sign with us until like week one. And imagine uh, if Crowder had a little more juice left in the tank and anything like that, he would have turned that into scored. a touchdown. Yeah. yeah, he would have scored. But it is awesome having a punt returner who knows what he's doing. Chan, I mean, that, that whole punt return changed the dynamic of the game completely. Yeah. Back to Barton, though, it's like, first off, Klee Hudson played really well. He played really well. And what's frustrating about that is – all during preseason and, and training camp, we kept hearing like Hudson's Hudson's popping, Hudson's popping, like he's earning playing time, yada yada yada, and he really hasn't played it. Meanwhile, Barton's getting 100 percent of the snaps. Yeah, it's like they're trying to justify the signing. It really and is. Hudson it's, come in and play pretty good. Like because otherwise, there's no other reason. Jamison's low key having a pretty good year. Not all pro or any means, but like he's turned into a more than competent linebacker. And hell, he made he made the game winning play today. Jamin, I think they made the comment today that they they even highlighted they're like if you can just allow him to turn his brain off and just point and click, he's great. Like he's very his, very good. His closing, his closing speed is wild. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about Barton is the roughing the passer is a penalty fifteen times out of ten. You can't keep the quarterback that blatantly in the head. But they also need to change that rule, like. He is jumping to block the pass, not to hit him in the head. Yeah, but the hands came down. I'm, I, 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 but the way his hands came down. Also, he took a sack head. away from Quan Martin, which kind of pissed me off because yes. I want Quan. I want Quan to get some love because our <laughs> draft class has been so bad. I'm like, just give him, just give him a win. Although he was an ace on teams today. Don't sleep on Quan Martin on special teams. He was really good at Illinois on special teams too. So yes, that's definitely a thing. Also, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for Tress to start being bad. I need him to be good forever. Uh, he boomed the last. He had one shorty on the punt. I can't remember it was the last punt, but he, he boomed was- his last two. Yeah, I was gonna say. But he he's had a couple of punts this year. Where I'm so used to being like, oh, it's Tress. He's gonna. Just- I was gonna say, yeah, it's just automatic. But Martin played good on special teams, which which objectively made me very happy because like we really need him to be good because we Ron has basically come out and confirmed we drafted him on need. So, like, he has to be good because we did not take the best player available. Yeah, which is the MO of this team. We just we fall in love with guys regardless of where they should be taken. We're like, that's the guy we want to get. Regard- also, uh, Ron, if, if you're one of the four people that listen to this, before you get fired, please pay Cam Curl. He's great. Yeah. Just pay him. There's a part of me that wonders. I don't. I don't necessarily recommend slash advocate for this, but there's a part of me that wonders that if we finish like, let's say we do a nine and eight, eight and nine, or something like He's that. Fired, no matter what. I, I'd be hard pressed to disagree with you there. Did you see that Josina Anderson tweet, uh, like right after the Bears game, where he, she was basically like, Josh Harris is going to wait for the entire season, but there are some in the ownership group, not mentioning names. Magic Johnson, who among, if not other people who are like, we need to clean everything and they're not wrong. But point being, there's a part of me that wonders, as I mentioned, that, you know, if Ron is basically like, OK, well, we fix the offense by going outside of the generic vanilla hires and we got EB. What if we do something similar with on getting a competent defensive coordinator? But I don't know if Ron's going to be around to make that decision. I'd be surprised. I don't even know if Ron, I don't think Ron wants to be around. That's a fair assessment. Like. Nothing about Ron screams I want to be around. He didn't even talk to the team after we were getting fucking destroyed by Chicago. See, a part of me is like, oh, is that this? Is that being a stoic thing and stuff like that? And yeah, but there's a part of me was just like, yeah, he's like, I'm just, he's kind of like, what, you know, cru- cruise controlling into retirement. What coach doesn't talk to his team at halftime? Yeah, I know. Like, 
that is a weird that when it when I, so I didn't I was flying to Idaho. Shout out to those listening on the West Coast. And so I didn't see that part. Like I was trying to stream the game on my phone. Alaska Airlines, wonderful, love them. If that game had been on any channel in the world, I would have been able to watch the entire thing. But because it was on Prime, I had to stream. Like I can YouTube TV, all of it streaming like works for whatever reason. Prime did not work, so that was like pretty choppy the whole game. So I missed the halftime interview. But it just more convinced me than ever that Ron's just like get me through the season, fire me. I've been around like bring me in as a consultant, bring me in as like a president of football operations that doesn't really have any title though. Make me Doug Williams consultant. Yeah. Like, just get him off the fucking side. And he's got enough connections around the league that somebody will do that. Yeah, that's all he wants. Chill at home with his wife, hang out, see his kids. Yeah, take care of his health, all those meanwhile, things. Meanwhile, make EB head coach, and then that'll work until we don't win, and then the team will revolt against him. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna make EB the head coach. I think they're gonna clean everything. I think they're gonna start from scratch. Oh, that would suck for Sam. That's my that's my whole my whole whole whole. And Sam, Sam said this week, this past week, he was like, "I think it was good for me to sit, but it was hard to learn a second offense in two years." Yep, and let alone a third one in the three in the in a, in a third year. And I and I'm I, I believe he's well on the on his way to that happening. I really do. The only coach out there where I'm like, all right, if we can get him, go get him, is Ben Johnson in Detroit. I would empty the Brinks truck for him. Yeah, like he's the only guy that I'd be like, go get him. But other than that, like at some point he's going to get a chance and we have him in-house and he seems to have a good connection with Sam. It would make sense. And he's a very modern offensive coordinator. Plus he has a massive chip on his shoulder, like massive. He's going to want to go fuck everybody. There will be a long line for Ben Johnson. There'll be a long line. Yeah, and you know know, one ownership group is probably willing to pay for him. That would be us? Yeah, the new guys? Willing to make splash? Along the lines of that, so in terms of Rivera and the current staff and how things shake out, our next six games, we have two against the Giants, as you alluded to earlier, starting with the Giants at New York next week. The Eagles rematch New England, which, I mean, God, I, I, the, could Bill Belichick be fired by that game at the way they're going right now? At Seattle to the game you're going to, home against the Giants, and then the Dallas Thanksgiving game. It if, went we from, beat, if we can beat the Giants twice and then steal the Seattle game, we'll make the playoffs. But if we can beat the Giants twice, is such a you know is a terribly dicey proposition because it we could be a fourteen and two team and they could be a two and fourteen team and they somehow still find ways to beat us. Yeah, true. Or we tie them, or we tie them. This is accurate. Yeah, regardless of how bad their you know their 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 uh, Nancy Boy quarterback is or their overrated running back is, like they they still find ways to steal wins from us, and and we also find ways to throw away wins against them. So that's my that's my thing against them. That like we'll split against them. You know, the part of me thinks that we can do better against the Eagles since we got so close last time, and a part of me thinks that the Eagles can do better since they allowed us to kind of hang around and linger. He doesn't look good today. Although the Jets defense is very good. The Jets defense is very good. And also Wayne Johnson got hurt. Yep. And the Eagles didn't look good because uh Jalen Hurts is overrated. But that's he just, is overrated. He the, freaking gets to throw the ball to Monster. AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. And those rare instances where he gets to throw up the 50-50 ball and they don't come down with it, all of a sudden, guess what happens there? Yeah. Anyway, that notwithstanding. 
you know, if this is a three and three type team over the next six games, where does that put us? Because the remaining games on the schedule really suck. And it I'm puts not us right where we always are with Ron Vera. He's yeah. fucking Jeff Fisher 2.0. Yeah. You know, that 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 observation kind of just hits it hits home more and more. And I'm like, you're not wrong. You're really Dude, not wrong about that. We're gonna win seven or eight games. It's gonna be the same old, same old. Although the Super Bowl is back on because we won today. Yeah. We really, 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 really gotta beat the Giants. Do you know what really, really chapped my ass was when they were going back and forth and they were showing the 49ers and Browns game and somebody rolled up on the back of Trent's leg and everyone's like, Oh man, they lost Trent. Like he's going to, you know, really bad injury. And like Trent was on the ground stuff like that. He's back a drive later. Yeah. Dude, Trent never misses time. He did that with us. He's a warrior. He, he, Trent was fine. He held up against miles Garrett all game. And I'm like, you know, who couldn't even dream of holding up against miles Garrett. That would be us. And do you know who also used to have Trent Williams? That would be us. And we fucked and we we fucked and pissed that away. So that I mean, was delightful. The greatest. He is he is. This is not hyperbole or me being over the top. He's one of the best left tackles in the history of the NFL. And he was drafted by us. Everything I have read was he was loyal to a fault. He was never going to leave. He wanted to, he wanted to retire a skin. And obviously everything goes down with him and Bruce. Then Ron comes in and is like, prove it. And he's like, fuck you. Yeah, we said prove it to the best offensive lineman in the NFL three years running. Yeah. Like the there there hasn't been a unanimous best offensive lineman in the NFL over the last five years. Like Quentin Nelson, when he got drafted, people were having a conversation like a few years ago that like could he, but as a rookie, that that's I mean, since Joe Thomas retired. For the Browns, you haven't had a consensus best offensive line in the NFL, and here we had one in Trent Williams, and we decided to, to tell him to prove it, just like everybody else. Yeah, he's proven it right. Yeah, and I love I love Sadiq. I've, I've been a big Sadiq fan since we drafted him. But could you imagine our offense if we just knew, or how good Howell would be if he just knew his blind side was just totally protected every single possession? Yeah, I don't care how much money it would have taken. You 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 install that, and then you figure out the rest of the line. As opposed to kind of this patchwork cobbling that we love to do. Like makes last thing I'll say is like it makes me think of those early Gruden years where we were like semi good with cousins. But if you look at that offensive line that he had, it was Trent Lavaro, Morgan Moses was on the other side. Lavaro, is that his name? Trent Lavaro. Ruya was out? pretty young. Ruya was young, so it might not have been him yet. It was the center on those teams. I don't remember. But no, but then you went Sheriff Moses. Sheriff and Moses, yeah. I mean, that is a stout fucking line. Left guard was always an issue for us. Lichtensteiger was the dude for a little while, wasn't it? Lichtensteiger. Case in point is like, we had one of the best lines in football. And Ron came in. And, you know, Ron's done a lot of good. Uh, we've we've talked about the good he's done. The neglect of the offensive line and, like. Is a huge black mark. Yeah. And a know, lot of Carolina I, fans will tell you that they did the, he did the exact same thing in Carolina. The only the only thing I'll give him like a you know, hall pass for is I think we could have offered Scherf eight billion dollars. <laughs> I, I don't think he ever would have resigned with us. I don't think he wanted any part of being here. Yeah, Scherf sounded like Scherf was like a little bit like cousins of like I'm out. It, yeah. it doesn't matter. I'm out. That's the only like I love Brandon Scherf. I love Brandon Scherf, and that was just a dude where I was. I, I'm not terribly heartbroken of, over it just because I think like there was nothing we could have done. I the Moses letting Moses walk though looks worse and worse every day. Every day, because he's still in the league. 
He starts at right tackle for the Ravens. For the Ravens, that's what I thought. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna go finish this football game. Yeah, we'll wrap it up here. Um, this is a it's not Pyrrhic, but it was definitely a, you know, not something it's 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 a coyote arm type of a victory today. Hopefully it's different against the Giants because I fucking hate the Giants. <laughs> that's, that's a new one. Coyote arm, you know, where you're like you regret the girl sleeping on your arm and you want to gnaw it off so you can quickly slip out. Like that's that's uh that's 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 the type of win we had today. So yeah. All right. Thank you to all five, four, four, five, however many listeners are still left, uh, for listening, and we will talk to you hopefully after being the godforsaken giants. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.